The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. The Bible says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. We'll talk about that today. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. It was the prophet Isaiah who said it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We really are living in in a time like that today in America, where people are so vocal for wrong causes, for evil causes, for destructive causes, and yet they say we are champions of that which is good. We are champions of that which is right. And those who oppose us are evil, and it is actually the exact opposite. Michael Brown, welcome to the Line of Fire. Friend, if ever there was a day where we wanted to serve as your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity, it is today. If there's ever a day when a broadcast matters, it is today's broadcast. Once again, sound of the alarm, once again, raising our voices together as one. If you want to weigh in on today's subject, here's the number to call, 866 348 7 888-4. Let me give you a little context. Since 2004, we have been talking about the issue of LGBTQ plus activism. Some of the letters became more emphasized as the years went on. But our philosophy of ministry, the word the Lord laid on my heart was very simple. Reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion, resist the agenda with courage. My issue is with a destructive agenda. My issue is with the sexualizing of children. My issue is with the redefining of marriage. My issue is with the attack on our freedoms of religion. My issue is is with the rewriting of the Bible. My issue is not with people, and the vast majority of those who identify as somewhere on the LGBTQ plus spectrum are simply trying to live their lives and are not activists, and are not trying to change the laws, the vast majority. They may vote in a certain direction. They may disagree with me politically, ideologically, and morally, but they are not primarily activists involved in a cause. My issue is with an agenda. When we began warning about these things many years ago, there were people who said to me, Dr. Brown, why are you getting off track? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you focusing on something that needs no focus? And I explained, well, we're doing everything we've always done. We're pursuing God for revival. We're pursuing God for awakening within the church. We are, uh, we are advocating for gospel-based moral and cultural revolution. We are continuing to raise up workers to go to the nations. We're continuing to teach the word and make disciples. We're continuing our outreach to the Jewish people. However, we recognize that LGBTQ plus activism is the principal threat to freedom of religion, speech, and conscience, and is ultimately an assault by indoctrination on our children. We've been shouting that for years. And I told people, thought this was an off subject, you're wasting our time. Obviously, that didn't age well. That criticism didn't age age well. I would tell them, I feel like an umbrella salesman in the desert. And people saying, Mike, why why are you selling umbrellas here? And why are you building warehouses with more and more umbrellas? And I tell them, because the big storm's coming. And it's going to be real rainy. You're going to need umbrellas. And for years now, metaphorically, we haven't been able to 
make those umbrellas fast enough because the need is so great. So how does it manifest itself today in the overt grooming of children, in the overt sexualizing of children, in the overt attack on the innocence of little children who, who in many cases have no understanding whatsoever. I'm talking about young children of sexuality, zero understanding. You know, you have a little boy when he gets older, he wants to marry his mommy. I mean, he has, he has no clue about sexuality and, and, and no clue about the depth of differences between a man or a woman or what that indicates. And you get kids that are 9, 10, 11, 12 years old making decisions that impact for them for the rest of their lives. And the parents, yeah, yeah, do that. It's good. That's what we hear is a good thing to do. It's madness. And now you have the invasion of the drag queens. Oh, I remember being told, no, 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 no. That's just like this extreme thing. It's just a few of the guys like to dress up. It's not what we're talking about with homosexuality or trans. No, it's something else. Now there's just mainstreamed to the point that you have school boards recommending endorsing family-friendly drag queen events. So Brittany Meyer is an outspoken Christian mom. And she went and rebuked the local school board when they had been called to step back and apologize and did no such thing. The video has gone viral. She's actually been on Tucker Carlson talking about these things on Fox. So a lot of people now know about this. We had to edit it just because she describes things very accurately, but in a way that we could not play on Christian radio here and, and wouldn't just play in general. But this is what kids are being exposed to. That, that's little, little innocent children are being exposed to these things. So listen to what this grieved mom had to say. I just want to know what it is uh, that makes a drag show family friendly. Because if you follow it to its logical conclusion, you can slap family friendly titles on anything. You can have family friendly gentlemen's clubs, family friendly strip shows, family friendly Fifty Shades of Grey read alouds. Now we have a culture that has a massive problem with child porn, with sex trafficking. You, a little school district board of adults, made the decision to feature an event to hypersexualize young children. Do you want to know that the word that defines that? It's groomer. You all played the activist pimp for an aligned surgical center and for a 21 plus gay bar. You all stepped out of line. You should be ashamed. There's nothing loving. There's nothing. Let's unite and include because the logical conclusion of that is you end up in diabolical evil. There are boundaries. Yeah, and, and again, she talks about exactly what a drag queen looks like, what a drag queen does just by definition, and then what goes on in these events. And she doesn't even give some of the, the, the very worst of it. What she says is shocking enough that we can't even play on radio. It's just accurate descriptions. Family friendly. Family friendly. Remember, friends, the American Library Association enthusiastically, enthusiastically endorsed Drag Queen Reading Hour in school libraries for toddlers. This is madness. This is turning the world upside down. As I wrote in my commentary on Isaiah, which is still still working that it's years to come because of other projects. But here's here's what I wrote about that where Isaiah said, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. I said these same people are the ones who turn the whole world order upside down, calling evil good and good evil, mistaking darkness for light and confusing bitter with sweet as the rejection of God results in the embrace of evil to the point that which is good is considered bad and that which is bad is considered good. 
This is the destructive progression of sin. As expressed by the Puritan Thomas Watson, first we practice sin, then defend it, then boast about it. <clears throat> All right, so the massive concern, and it is opening eyes of people across America to the point that, or, or around the world actually, people who are not conservative, people who are not biblically-based Christian, people in many ways are liberal or even atheist, are recognizing the madness of what is happening with children and the madness of, quote, transitioning children. So there have been unusual alliances built between people with very different backgrounds and lots of different beliefs, even when it comes down to gay, lesbian issues. But on this, we are standing together. So James O'Keefe from Project Veritas has video now. And this is really shocking. There are medical professionals, leading medical professionals that have come together worldwide to give guidance about transgender issues and transitioning children. And basically the policies you affirm, the kid feels a certain way and ultimately you affirm that direction as opposed to let them get through puberty, long-term wait and see. No, no, transition them younger if they meet the criteria, transition them younger. And he has unearthed video now of, of one of the doctors involved with this, with guidelines, saying some shocking things. So let's go behind the scenes and see what's really going on. Listen to James O'Keefe. On Monday, October 3rd, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and the Children's Hospital Association delivered this letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland claiming increased violence against providers of transgender or gender-affirming surgeries due to disinformation. Now, this comes on the heels of Project Veritas receiving inside tape from within the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, feigning regret regarding their 14-year-old patients. Last week at the Pediatric Endocrine Society, uh, some of the Dutch researchers started, uh, gave some data about um, young adults who had transitioned and reproductive regret, like regret, and it's there. Um, and I don't think any of that surprises us. It's always a good theory that you talk about fertility preservation with a 14-year-old, but I, I know I'm talking to a blank wall. And the same would happen for a cisgender kid, right? They'd be like, ew, kids, babies, gross. Or, or the usual stock answer is, I'm going to adopt. I'm just going to adopt. And then you ask them, well, what does that involve? Like, how much does it cost? Oh, I thought you just, like, went to the orphanage and they gave you a baby. No, it's not quite like that. All right, so the first thing is, what, what does a 12 or 13-year-old know about adoption? Your average kid. Or, okay, you're not going to be able to have kids when you get older. Okay, no big deal. I mean, think of how many stupid things some of us did at that age. You know, I, I remember back to something. I was considered the, the best drummer in our junior high school by some. So seventh and eighth grade is middle school, right? And then when I got into high school, there was a debate, you know, it was me or somebody else. And, and then, you know, one of the kids graduated. So I was definitely the best drummer in the high school. It wasn't my bubble. Someone in this other school, they're better than you. So there were... Okay, so this is our tiny little world, right? So I'm in the middle, like 14-year-old kid, starting to get high, playing drums, and, and I was more advanced than some of the other kids around me, and I, I, I really thought like I was one of the best drummers in the world. I mean, I knew like Buddy Rich, because I learned about him growing up, you know, and then I heard there's another famous guy, Louis Belson, maybe, maybe Gene Krupa had passed away by then, because I heard about the drum battles between Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa. 
and maybe there was a rock drummer or two that was famous. Like, you know, beyond them, like, who's better than me? <laughs> what a completely idiotic, totally absurd perspective. There's a debate within our own little school with maybe 1,200 students if I was the best drummer in the school, let alone in the county, let alone in the state, let alone, right? So, I mean, if there were thousands and thousands and thousands of kids my age, I would have been one of the better ones among them, but way, way down a list of best drummers. But what did I was a stupid kid getting high, living in an unreal world. Oh, and, and now at that age, I'm going to make a lifelong decision about gender transition. I'm going to do it at 12 or at 9. What kind of madness? It's madness. It's, it's medical malpractice. It's madness. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on the Line of Fire. You know, it's it's one thing if a well-meaning parent, misinformed but well-meaning, understands that the way to get their kid out of some internal struggle is by going ahead with these puberty blockers, these hormones that are safe and that will help your child feel better and then get to a point where they can be more informed about decisions they want to make and the parents being misinformed but loving and caring and and seeing that while other kids seem to be doing better, it's it's bad, it's tragic because something that big you, you want to really study and learn and understand and know all the ramifications and all the issues and all the possibilities before taking the step. But that's one thing. It's another thing entirely when the medical profession advocates certain things, puts a stamp on it, puts their imprimatur on it, sets up guidelines that in decades to come will seem absolutely insane. 866-348-7884 to weigh in. If you think I'm off base, if you're trans-identified yourself and you're 40 years old and you said that doing this surgery and hormones is the best thing that ever happened to you, by all means, call in. We'll have a friendly discussion. I won't be hostile to you, even if I disagree. All right, let's go back to the Project Veritas video. We've got three clips. This is number two. I think now that I follow a lot of kids into their, into their mid-20s, I'm always like, oh, the dog isn't doing it for you, right? Yeah, they're like, no, I just found this, you know, wonderful partner and now we're kids and da-da-da. So I think, you know, it doesn't surprise me, but I don't know still what to do for the 14-year-olds. Uh, the parents have it on their minds, but the 14-year-olds, you just, it's like talking with diabetic complications with a 14-year-old. They don't care. They're not going to die. They're, they're going to live forever, right? So I think... I think when we're doing informed consent, I know that that's still a big lacuna of, of that we're just, we do it, we try to talk about it, but most of the kids are nowhere in any kind of a brain space to really, really, really talk about it in a serious way. Uh, that's always bothered me, but, you know, he, he, we still want the kids to be happy, happier in the moment, right? Now, contrary to Dr. Metzger's own statements, the letter sent to the Department of Justice would consider any criticism or public review of these procedures as disinformation. Quote, 
Providers of evidence-based gender-affirming health care and their colleagues are facing increased stress and fear. Rooted in an intentional campaign of disinformation, where a few high-profile users on social media share false and misleading information, targeting individual physicians and hospitals, resulting in a rapid escalation of threats, harassment, and disruption of care across multiple jurisdictions." Unquote. In her 2019 review of clinical research, Katrina Rowan, a professor at a New Zealand university, drew attention to a study that young girls between 14 and 19 were, quote, overwhelmed with information and finding it easier to switch off rather than engage with health professionals, unquote. In other words, young people are not equipped to fully understand the physical and mental ramifications of transition surgeries. <sighs> All right. We're talking about people here. We're talking about young men and young women in particular. Here you have a pro-transgender doctor. This was not a video that was intended to be released publicly, but it was captured legally and released publicly. <clears throat> Hear what he's saying. Yeah, the kid gets older and adopting a dog doesn't do it for them because they like to have a child, but they are chemically castrated or they've had their reproductive organs removed or refashioned so they cannot reproduce anymore. Now they're realizing, yeah, adopting a dog is not doing it. I'd like to have a child of my own, but I can't have a child of my own. And adoption is a bigger process. And I realized, oh, now they're having some regret. So what does this doctor say? Yeah, that's always bothered me. That's always bothered me. And, and they're realizing maybe I made a mistake. Or, and he says, informed consent, a lacuna, that means a, a gap, right? That, that informed consent for a 14-year-old, you can't really get it. Come on, you, you tell some 14-year-old kid, you're eating too many cookies, that could give you heart disease when you're older. Who cares about? Yeah, right, sure, I'm going to get heart disease when I'm old. They're not thinking about that. Most are not processing it. Even if you think, okay, think. Think through what it would mean. If you're a young woman, your breasts are removed. You'll never have breasts. You can't, you can't regrow them. Yeah, I don't want them. Just get rid of them. I don't want them. <laughs> they do not have the capability to think through into areas of life they have never gotten to. They do not know what it feels like to be at a certain stage in life. Dr. Ben Carson has emphasized the development of the brain isn't, isn't finished until you're about 25 years old. Yeah, the doctor is saying we admit uh, that getting informed consent, there is a problem there because how informed can they be? And the parents can't predict the future for the kid, Right. And then he says this. I mean, it's, it's an outrageous line. We just want them happy for the moment, right? No, 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 no parent does that. No parent makes a life-altering decision for a child. No good parent. Based on I just want them happy for the moment. You, you can't raise a child with that mentality of, well, baby's crying. Just want them happy for the moment. Well, the kid's upset. Just want them happy for, no, that's what parents say. No, you can't have that now. Go back to sleep. No, you have to. No, you're not getting it. No, we're not going here. No, we're not. You can throw a tantrum, but it's not going to change anything. We're not doing that now. Mommy and daddy say no. No, no, but the kids tram. You want them happy for the moment. No, you don't want them happy for the moment. You want them happy long term. And, and then, as James O'Keefe says, when contrary evidence is being presented, I'm going to letter. I'm going to read to you from attorneys general around America, where, where they are writing to, to Merrick Garland, Attorney General of the United States, and, and saying, you are not just working against 
violent acts against transgender doctors. We stand against violence as well. But you are saying that that criticism is criminal, that just to raise these issues, do, to do what I'm doing, right? If I was an attorney general raising these issues or doctor raising these issues, that could be considered criminal to criticize. It's, it's misinformation. All right, one last clip from Project Veritas. Check out this news story about the Vanderbilt University Medical Center, where staff have been objecting to these procedures for children. If you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. One video shows Dr. Ellen Clayton telling employees that it is, quote, problematic when they object to providing transgender care. Those treatments include hormones, puberty blockers, and surgery. Saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. The videos also show financial incentives, as one doctor gushed about how much the procedures bring in. It's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Uh, So female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. A patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in An internal training document from Vanderbilt Medical Center provided to Project Veritas describes surgeries available to children, including vaginoplasty and phalloplasty. Surgeons have been making big bucks marketing directly to teens as trendsetters, like Dr. Gallagher at her Miami medical practice. You're only, you know, seven months on team. You're seven months and you got top surgery. Bro, where are you at? Who did, what doctor? Send me the number. The average cost of a gender transition is about $150,000, and the booming so-called trans tech industry is estimated, according to a 2020 Forbes article, to be worth a mind-boggling $200 billion. Needless to say, big pharma and big medicine are always on the lookout for a growing business. Yeah, uh, Kelly Nugent, known to others as Scott Nugent, Kelly's sure that greed is driving a tremendous amount of this. Kelly is technically female to male, But as Kelly would say, no amount of surgery and hormones can turn a male into a female or a female into a male. Kelly and I become friends and allies in the midst of this, despite our deep differences on other issues. So this this is an attack on children, and it's done in the name of the right thing for children. And and now, Attorney General Merrick Garland... Yeah, we've, we've got to protect the, the doctors. We've got to stand with it. Yeah, of course, we always stand against violence. Violent acts against any of these people is completely wrong and unjustified and unacceptable. At the same time, to speak out, to set the record straight, to warn, to raise our voices is a righteous, godly thing to do. And that could be penalized. All right, so I, I want to read to you. This is um, State of Tennessee, Office of the Attorney General with other attorneys general signing on, and it is to the Honorable Merrick Garland, Attorney General, U.S. Department of Justice. And the letter says this, Dear Attorney General Garland, we, the understined state attorneys general, write to express our deep concern with the recent letter, this is October 12th to send this out, you uh, received from the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, and the Children's Hospital Association, asking you to investigate and prosecute people who question the medical establishment's current 
treatment of children struggling with gender dysphoria, you cannot and should not undertake such investigations or prosecutions. We emphatically agree that anyone engaged in violent crime or threats of violence should be investigated and prosecuted by the appropriate authorities. But the medical organizations are asking you for much more than that. They're asking you to direct the criminal enforcement power of the federal government, not only at those committing or threatening violence, but also at those whose speech may, quote, provoke such threats. This broad request and related comments by leaders in the medical organizations indicate that they're interested not just in presenting violence, but also in suppressing ideas with which they disagree. And it goes on with examples and documentation. Maybe I'll read a little bit more of this later on. Friends, this is where we've come now. The attorney general potentially investigating those who give out, quote, misinformation. In other words, tell the truth about the dangers of transitioning children. They could now be the criminals in the eyes of the state. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, 866-34-TRUTH, to weigh in on today's topic. You know, what's interesting, if you get to know me, is I'm not an alarmist at all. I am always overflowing with optimism. In fact, I was just discussing some issues with the author of a book doing some research on a subject about Christian nationalism and Christian teaching of dominionism and other things relating to that. And as, as, we, as we discussed that, he was saying, well, I think you're missing the point on what this one says or that one says. I said, look, it could be that around me, they talk a certain way, or it could be that I'm filtering what they're saying through the context of what I believe. Maybe the situation is more extreme. I've been sounding the alarm. I've been warning. I, I think you're missing the mark on this point, but I've been sounding the alarm as well. He said, Dr. Brown, I think it's, it's more extreme here than you realize. It, it, it could be, but I have to see the evidence because I'm not one that walks around. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. I've, I've got quotes back to here. Let, let me read this. Back to 1991. I can go earlier. But I just, I just posted this the other day, 1991. I said, when do you think I wrote this? Just curious to, to get people's impression. Um, okay, where is the poll? Okay, I guess it's up here a little. I will find it momentarily. Uh, here we go. I said, when did I write this? Was it 91, 2001, 2011, or 2021? While the American church celebrates, our beloved country sinks into lower and lower depths. We are not only killing unborn babies, but we have begun to kill helpless adults, actually starving them to death. And the quote goes on to say, we say they're in a persistent vegetative state. I'm saying the church is in a persistent vegetative state. That was 91 that I was saying there are real massive needs here in America. We have really lost our way spiritually and morally, right? And we need to repent. It's urgent. It is, it is revival or it's over. That's, that's been my cry for decades. And thankfully, we've seen outbreaks of God moving here and there, but must, much more must happen. So I'm, I'm gripped with the urgency of the hour. 
But I'm not one that sees each new event as this is it. The end is it's all over. Jesus is coming any minute. And tomorrow, I plan to have an interview with Pastor Michael Youssef about his book, The End is Near. Find out what his perspective is and what does he sense and understand. But all I have to say, I, I'm constantly full of faith, optimism, encouragement because of who God is and what he is doing. At the same time, I've been shouting as loudly as I know how for decades, sounding the alarm, raising my voice about the very things we're seeing today, warning that it would be coming. Friends have sent me articles. Mike, have you seen this? I say, I wrote about it five years ago. We did a radio broadcast about it eight years ago. Well, oh, I, I didn't even know it's, it's been going on for years. It's not now that there's suddenly new sex ed curriculum, sex ed curricula flooding our schools. And now parents are like, oh no, this is terrible. No, it's been here for years and years and years and years. But many parents just never knew or the schools just covered it up or the kids didn't come home and process it with the parents or whatever. It's not like suddenly there are these completely outrageous videos and TikTok and YouTube and outlandish. Suddenly just, no, it's been growing for years, but people are just finding out about it. Now, here, I'll give you an example. Ollie London. Ollie London is a male who lived in South Korea for some years and really felt most at home as a Korean. So he had multiple cosmetic surgeries to help him look like he was Korean. Then he decided he was actually a Korean woman and began to transition in terms of how he lived and looked and so on. Now he's decided he's actually not a woman and he's getting a lot of hate for speaking out, even though he's still pro-transgender and believes in trans identity and all of this, but pray for him. He he. Re- when you'll hear it, you realize he needs the Lord. He he's he needs God in his life. He's unable to separate between reality and his own perceptions. So let, let's listen to what he has to say. But pray for him. Don't curse him. Don't malign him. Pray for him. Let's let's listen. It's Oli, um, and today I have an announcement about the journey I have been on for the last six months. As you guys know, I transitioned. I became a Korean woman. Um, I had a lot of surgery to be more feminine. I started to wear women's clothing. I got Korean hair extensions um, and started wearing makeup and just really living as a Korean woman for the last six months. And, you know, it gave me so much happiness it gave me so much confidence um but i just didn't feel right the whole time um and you know i felt really good at the start you know so many people gave me compliments so many people saying wow you actually look better as a woman so i was thinking okay i do look better i look more korean this way um so i was thinking "Mm -hmm, i'm happy but you know i realized it's only temporary happiness but i've come to realize that actually i am a man and I want to stay as a man. So I'm going to revert to my original pronouns, which is he, him. There are a lot of um, young people that actually go through the transition surgery, you know, as teenagers. And at the time they feel it's right, then afterwards they do regret it. So I just want to say guys, um, for anyone that is gender fluid or trans, um, just be careful, take your time, take your time because these things are irreversible. I I mean, what what do you say after watching that? I, I became a, tra- a Korean woman. No, no, you are not Korean and you're not a woman. You, you, no one who is not born a Korean woman can become 
a Korean woman. Now, you, you may be a woman who moves to Korea, right, and you change your citizenship, but you yourself are not ethnically Korean, all right? If, if I am ethnically Hispanic, I cannot become ethnically Korean. Or if I'm ethnically Korean, I cannot become ethnically black or ethnically white. It's, it is not going to work. I can't change my race. I can't change my ethnicity. I, I blended a couple of things there together unintentionally. But you can't change your race. You can't change your, your ethnicity. You can change your citizenship. You can change your name. But you can't change whether you're male or female. You, so I'm now reverting back to being a man and using he, him pronouns Pray for, pray for this gentleman to really come to know God and find out what his maker intended and how to find peace and wholeness. And he's, he's warning these kids, maybe you're gender fluid. There's no such thing as gender fluid. No one is born gender fluid. There is no such biology as gender fluid. There may be the very small minority, 1% or less of people who, I, who are intersex, who have a biological or chromosomal abnormality, because of which it may be difficult to clearly define their gender, but there's no such thing as gender fluid or omnigender or multiple gender. That, that is all human perception. That is all human distortion. That, that, those are all examples of people who need the Lord's grace in their life. They need professional psychiatric, psychological help. They need some type of spiritual counseling, whatever it is, to get to the root of what is troubling them. So to tell these kids, hey, you know, careful, it's, you can't reverse it. No, no, no. No option. No, uh, there should be no option, period, zero option for a minor to get life-altering surgery or to be on life-altering hormones. We're not talking about a medical treatment. You're fighting cancer with chemotherapy. Chemo could have some negative side effects, and, and it could result, you may survive the, the cancer but the treatments will have these effects. So you sit down, medical professionals, parents, you discuss it, and you, you come to an informed decision in a very difficult situation. We're not talking about the same thing here. Well, it's either that or suicide. That, that threat cannot motivate you to make a wrong decision that is now going to have that person maybe suicidal for the rest of their lives. There are other interventions but no, if you want to talk about it, now you're evil. You're going to be silent. You know how far this has gone? Here, I want to show you this headline over on Breitbart, right-wing website. Democrat Abigail Spanberger skips debate after joining lawmaker seeking to jail parents who do not affirm transgender children. That's the headline. Why she skipped the debate or not, I'm going to talk about that. All right? Whether she had a valid reason or not, not my issue or concern. But the fact that you have lawmakers saying if parents will not affirm their transgender child, those parents could be arrested. This is calling evil good and good evil. This is using the arm of the government to do wicked, evil things. And when the state of California says, hey, if that's you, if you're a 17-year-old minor, you get over to California Right. Once you're there, you say, hey, I'm suffering from abuse at home. My parents will not affirm my trans identity. And I, it's urgent I get sex change surgery. It's the only thing that's going to keep me with peace of mind and stop me from committing suicide and destroying my life. Then California says, we'll be a sanctuary state for you and we'll protect you from the parents. That's evil. That's demonic evil. Go ahead. 
right-wing watch pull this out as a soundbite. That is demonically evil. Just put it in full context, all right? Just put it in full context to be fair and to be truthful. I hope you're not afraid of being fair and truthful. Say, so Dr. Brown, you sound angry. I'm, I'm grieved. I am angry over these things. Absolutely. Look, I, I talked to the dad in Canada. Before COVID, I was speaking in Canada. Several hundred Christian leaders had gathered together. They wanted me to talk about LGBTQ plus issues and religious freedoms and things like that because things in Canada are even worse than here in America. And I described the situation of a father with a 14-year-old daughter. I guess the mom and dad were separated. And the daughter wanted to be on hormones and prepare for a sex change surgery. The dad opposed it. The mom approved of it. The school had been telling her for several years, you know, the problems you're having are because you're trapped in the wrong body. That's why this is going on. That's what you're experiencing. He opposed it, went to court. The court stood with the daughter and the mother against the father. And the court gave an order that if he would refer to his daughter as she or her or, or by her actual name, her biological birth name, if he would refer to her in that way, if he would talk about this case publicly, he would go to jail. He'd be arrested. Even in his house, he couldn't do it with his daughter. I mentioned the case. Someone said, he's here. He's actually here. I spoke with him face to face. And he affirmed the situation and everything that had gone on. And then I spoke with him after he got out of jail. He was in jail for months in Canada. He was put in jail because he publicly spoke about the case and publicly, quote, misgendered his daughter, referred to her by her real female identity. He went to, I talked to him after he got out of jail. There was a case, was it in Minnesota, with a grandmother having responsibility for a daughter, and the daughter was taken away from the grandmother because she would not affirm transgender identity of a daughter. His friends, it's that bad, and it's only going to get worse if we just sit around and don't believe it's actually happened. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us. Okay, one last thing, then I'm going to take a call or two. Uh, Dennis Prager has become a friend. We've not met uh, face-to-face, but we've talked by phone a number of times. We've texted often. We've exchanged books with one another. And uh, a, a colleague of mine was visiting with him a couple of months ago, and he said, oh, yeah, Dennis Prager referenced my buddy, Mike Brown. Uh, when I wrote this article taking issue with something that he said, I said to him, I texted him and said, hey, I'm going to be taking issue with you. Shall I refer to you as my esteemed colleague or my friend? He said, yeah, esteemed colleague and friend. Uh, after I wrote the article, which really says he missed the mark badly on a very important point related to today's topic, I shot him a text just with a smile saying, we still friends? I said, are you kidding me? So this is a disagreement that is open between friends and colleagues. Dennis Prager has been a, a leading conservative thinker for decades and has really exposed the irrationality, the illogic, the danger of leftist ideology. And I appreciate that very, very much. 
And he strongly said that homosexual practice is sinful and contrary to the Torah. He said that as well. Uh, there are other issues that we tell, obviously, about Jews believing in Jesus. Like he said to me once, hey, how about, he said, I've said to the Jewish community many times, what about Jews who believe in Marx? They're more dangerous than Jews who believe in Jesus. So we've had our friendly dialogue and interaction, all right? You say, well, then why take issue with a friend? Because he's influential and because other conservative leaders were concerned when they read what he had to say. So he's talking about the law in Deuteronomy, the 22nd chapter. And in that law, it says, chapter 22, verse 5, that it's an abomination to the Lord when a man puts on female garments or the reverse, right? So he says that, that distinctions, that, that a major part of the Torah is distinctions, distinctions, distinctions. And one of the distinctions is between male and female. So when you cross-dress, you violate that distinction. He said, now that's different than this. Uh, I want to give you his exact words. Uh, he says, an individual who identifies as a member of the other sex, transgender, transsexual, appears to be a member of that sex, takes on a name associated with that sex, and dresses as a member of that sex is not necessarily blurring the distinction God made. The individual who truly feels estranged from his or her biological sex is to be given sympathy, not condemnation. If that person does not publicly blur the male-female distinction, that person would not appear to be violating this law. So you can read my article, What Dennis Prager Got Wrong About Transgender Identity. It's on our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. So I wrote this. To be sure, we should show compassion to those who are generally confused about their gender identity. Absolutely. But it is absurd to think that a bearded man who dresses like a woman has violated the Torah why a biological male who does his best to destroy biological reality and transform himself into a woman has not violated Torah law. Really now, which is a greater assault on the fundamental distinctions established in creation by God? A man dressing up like a woman or a man claiming that gender is a mental perception rather than a biological reality? The former makes a mockery of the male-female distinction. The latter seeks to obliterate that distinction entirely. How about a woman surgically removing the healthy breast God gave her then mutilating her private parts and getting a male-looking add-on, then taking hormones for life that will daily fight against her God-given femaleness, now claiming to be a man. How is, that not, how is that not infinitely worse and more in violation of God's design than that same woman cross-dressing? Not only so, but transgender identity declares all-out war on male-female distinctives, with ridiculous claims such as men can menstruate too, or women can have penises, or men can get pregnant. Indeed some, indeed, some have advocated for the term chest feeding rather than breastfeeding so as not to discriminate. And isn't it transgender ideology that has popularized concepts such as gender fluid, non-binary, and omnigender, just to name a few? What is this if not an assault on male and female? He created them. This is cultural madness. This is the very articulation of the chaos that Prager decries. To quote my friend again, the demise of these distinctions would mean the end of civilization as we know it. That's Dennis Prager. It is happening in front of our eyes with transgender ideology helping to lead the way. As podcaster Joe Rogan noted, he's nothing but a, he's not a born-again Bible believer. He's speaking with Tulsi Galbert. I mean, with wokeness, you can identify as a woman. You get to use the female restroom like, okay, but what is it? What's a woman? You know, can a man get pregnant? Okay, well, what is it? Can a biological male get pregnant? 
and then people panic and they start the, the people that identify as a woman are capable of being pregnant. People that identify as male are capable of also being pregnant. Like, what are you saying? He said, it doesn't mean you can't have trans people. It doesn't mean you're not denying anyone's existence. Either they exist. However, if you want to be pregnant, you must be a biological female. And he goes on from there. It's common sense. So interestingly, some of the most vocal voices against transgender identity are feminists, including many lesbian feminists, since they rightly understand that if a biological male can identify as a female, then the category female no longer has any real meaning. And what shall we say about the assault on children where in the name of compassion, 10-year-olds are given drugs that could sterilize them for life, and girls as young as 13 are having full mastectomies? Is this not a direct assault on God's design? Is this not a terribly misguided attempt to deny male and female who created them? Thousands of cells continue to shout out, I am male or I am female, no matter how many drugs are taken and how many surgeries are performed. The exchange surgery and radical hormone treatments are a less serious Torah offense than simply cross-dressing. Prager ends his article stating how God regards an individual who is convinced he or she is living in their own body is not addressed here in, in the Torah. I believe God both has standards that we never blur the male-female distinction and compassion for those few individuals who do not identify with their biological sex, and so should we. I say it would have been far better to say, while having compassion on those who are confused and pained over their gender identity, we must never affirm transgender ideology since it undermines the male-female distinction. And the article saying, Dennis, please do reconsider your position, Proverbs 1.5a, where a wise man increases his learning. Read the article on the website, AskDrBrown.org. If you have not yet gotten our app, downloaded the app, Ask Dr. Brown Ministries, A-S-K-D-R Brown, Ask Dr. Brown Ministries on Apple and Android. Download it today, explore it, and then if you enjoy it, give it a positive rating. You will be blessed. All right, got time for one call. Let's go over to Paul in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for calling the line of fire. You're welcome. Um, my concern is around uh, all of this is uh, where you stated that these people need to see a psychiatrist or quote-unquote mental health professional. And I'd just like to say to people to be very careful when going into what's called the quote-unquote mental health system because it is a system of illness and they will drug these people and they're already drugging them because they're they're transitioning. So a transgender person is a cash cow for Big Pharma. Big Pharma loves them. Patient for life. Be careful telling people to go to a psychiatrist. Yeah, Paul, th actually, th thank you for the caution, sir. Thank you. Uh, and I should have qualified what I mean. Thank you. Thank you. Because, yes, I've been speaking about the very issue of the greed of Cash Cow for Life. Kelly Nugent's been shouting that out. Look, everybody wants subscriptions now, right? Almost everything you get subscription-based. Pay this amount a month, pay this amount a month, pay this amount a month. How about signing somebody up for life? Get you on hormones now. Very costly sex change surgery next step. And hormones for the rest of your life. Boom! How many things can you sign somebody up on for 50 years? I'm hesitant to sign up something, you know, for three months if I'm not absolutely confident about it. That's like for $4 a month. How, how about all kinds of money and all kinds of attack on your body for life? And, and you're, you may have all kinds of complications that arise along the way that were not anticipated or you weren't warned about. 
So, Paul, thank you for that. What I intended to say was go to a qualified medical professional who can give you solid guidance in harmony with reality. And even that is harder and harder to find. So you may go into your average medical professional and they may be totally pro-LGBTQ plus mentality, ideology, mindset, and end up affirming the very things that don't need to be affirmed rather than encouraging change where it needs to come. So make sure that the people that you go to talk to are biblically based or at least are in harmony with what we would understand to be biblical reality of male-female distinctions and want to help someone be at home in their own body without putting them on drugs on top of it. So, Paul, thank you for that word of warning. I appreciate it. I fully agree with your concerns. Now, there, there are things where medicine can help. I mean, there, there are chemical imbalances in a brain, and sometimes while things are being worked out, there, there are things that can help, or it's not an ideal solution, but there are medications that can be used that, that do help in certain situations. But that's not what someone struggling with transgender identity needs. It's the opposite of medical intervention. They need other types. Once more, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, to just say, you know what it reminds me of? Reminds me of a little cartoon I once saw, you know, a graphic. And there was a guy that collapses in, in a, and someone says, is there a doctor in the house? And someone says, Yes. It was Dr. Kevorkian, the, the doctor that advocated physician-assisted suicide. They said, no, 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 not, not that kind of doctor. Same thing here. We need to be careful when we refer someone to a doctor. Sometimes, no, not that kind of doctor. Thank God for all the good that's out there. But there's a lot that is deficient and even corrupt. Another program powered by the Truth Network.